Okay, so um, as we get into this, um, this morning's sermon, this, where we are in this summer of love, we're talking about love and identity. And um, what I want us to do for like two minutes is I want you to think about um, when you were a kid, let's, let's go like right to the heart of the pain, like middle school, high school. Uh, I know, I know. When you're in middle school, high school, what were the things about yourself that you were very insecure about? And, uh, and I'm gonna ask you to talk to somebody that you didn't come with. Talk to somebody that is uh, not your spouse or your roommate and just share at least one of those things with each other. Okay, go. Okay, I'm going to call us back together. I know there's a lot of things you want to keep sharing. We just, we just opened the door to a, uh, an attic full of stuff. Okay, hey, I want to hear uh, if, if people are willing to share. I'll go first. Um, I'll tell you two things that were like plagued me as a middle school kid. Uh, the first was that I was so skinny and I was so tired of being skinny. And everybody talked about how skinny I was. And uh, sometimes that made for it, it hard uh, to date, you know? Um, because girls would be like, wow, we're about the same size. I'm like, is that a good or no? Or, and then the other thing was um, just like, my hands are really rough. And, uh, and that got commented on some. And uh, so that was stuff that I was like, man, please, please, please take that away. Or like, Lord, if you love me, like why? Did you give me these things? Um, what were, I want to hear just yell out a few things for you. You're, what? Okay. Braces, curly hair, straight hair. <laughs> what? What else? Too short. What else we got? Give me a couple more. <laughs> but you're tall. Oh, man. <laughs> I just touched a nerve. I'm sorry. The voices are coming back. Okay. Uh, so, you know, we all are sharing, at least out loud, the things that I imagined we would share. A lot of, like, sort of physical attributes. Um, but what I want to ask is... You know, we're talking about middle school, we're talking about high school, and the question now is, are you finished wrestling with your own insecurities and identity? Or does that... <laughs> Got some good faces out there. Um, 
Or does that still take up a lot of mental space for you and a lot of heart space for you? Do you spend a lot of time trying to calculate how desirable you are? And, and also a lot of time on the back end of that calculation, how to change things about yourself to make yourself more desirable. And where we're going this morning, we're talking about love and identity. And, and that's what this passage is dealing with. And it's this idea that um, we, we find this woman, the woman of our, our poem here, the, the subject, the, the primary speaker of this song of songs. Um, she is wrestling with her identity in this passage. And where she goes with it um, is, is Jesus is leading us to say, hey, pay attention to this because I'm teaching you, I'm speaking to you through this exchange that you're about to read and walk through. And so what you're gonna notice as I preach through this passage is it's gonna be very fluid. The movement between talking about this woman and this man and, and human relationships and also the relationship that we have with the lover of our souls, Jesus, and bouncing back and forth. And um, that's because that, I believe, is how this was intended to be read and, and understood, but also because um, that is how we engage with Jesus throughout our everyday lives, is it is through um, interactions with other people. It's, it's, there's a deep interplay between our human relationships and our relationship with him. And a lot of times it's hard to even, uh, we, we can't separate them. And so I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to jump in here. Father, uh, we, we come to you this morning, Lord, we are very aware of uh, our, the things that make us insecure. We are very aware of our weaknesses, our frailties. We're very aware of our sin, the things that we are ashamed of, the things that we regret. Lord, we're very aware of the things that we shake our fist at you about and, and say, if you really love me, you would not have made me this way. And, and maybe even opening the door through this exercise and this conversation uh, has just sparked some, some deep anger that's been um, lying uh, latent for a while and now is, is raw and exposed again. And Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for bringing us to this place. We thank you for grabbing our face and turning our heads toward this um, and toward to you and to what you have for us in this passage, Lord. So please um, do not let us be thinking about uh, yesterday or tomorrow or this afternoon, Lord. Would you keep us here? Would you keep our hearts present? Would you keep our minds present? Would you do only what you can do? Keep us present here with you. Um, speak your love over us and let it change us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so uh, passage. Somebody reading our passage this morning? Yeah, come on up. Hey, Lexi. Appreciate it. This is Song of Solomon 1, 5 um, through 2, 2. I am very dark, but lovely, O daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Kedar, like the curtains of Solomon. Do not gaze at me because I am dark, because the sun has looked upon me. My mother's sons were very angry with me. They made me keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I have not kept. Tell me, you whom my soul loves, where your pastor, your flock, where you make it lie down at noon. For why should I be like one who veils herself beside the flocks of your companions? If you do not know, O most beautiful among women, follow in the tracks of the flock and pasture your 
young goats beside the shepherd's tents. I compare you, my love, to a mare among Pharaoh's chariots. Your cheeks are lovely with ornaments, your neck with strings of jewels. We will make for you ornaments of gold studded with silver. While the king was on his couch, my nard gave forth its fragrance, my beloved to me a sachet of myrrh that lies between my breasts. My beloved is to me a cluster of henna blossoms in the vineyards of Engedi. Behold, you are beautiful, my love. Behold, you are beautiful. Your eyes are doves. Behold, you are beautiful, my beloved. Truly delightful. Our couch is green. The beams of our house are cedar. Our rafters are pine. I am a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys. As a lily among brambles, so is my love among the young women. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, Okay, so these first few verses, we see um, her trying to answer this question is, where does my identity come from? Um, She says, I am dark but lovely. And so now um, in our world, it's it's the opposite. Um, To be dark is a sign of health, to be tan. But but then it was um, the darker you were, the lower class you were, because that meant you had to go work out in the fields. And so she is is wrestling here um, as she is moving toward this man, um, she's moving toward desire in this relationship with this man who is the king. Um, now she is coming face to face with her own uh, insecurities about who she is and, and what she looks like and, and her own social standing. So, so she is very aware of her, her lower class. Her dark skin means she's been out in the sun. It says, the sun has, has stared upon me. Um, and not only that, she's also been mistreated. Um, she talks about that her mother's sons were very angry with her. So it gives us this um, image of, of perhaps the, the, her father was not there. He either died or left or something, but um, she was at the mercy of these older brothers who uh, mistreated her in some way. We have no idea what that is. It could just be like child labor, like instead of the things that a, a young girl would, would normally be able to do, she was being forced by her brothers to work more. Uh, it could have been some kind of abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, who knows? But she was, um, not only is she in this lower class, but she's also been mistreated. She has pain that's unique to her story. Um, and so we'll just stop there and, and say, you know, she, like us, is thinking about her imperfections, her social standing, her broken family, her flaws, her pain. And she says, oh, daughters of Jerusalem. Um, and she's, she's talking to this group of women, and she's saying, you know, don't you stare at me uh, like the sun has stared on me. And, and these daughters of Jerusalem, basically what she's talking about is she's, she's wrestling internally uh, with her own identity with, within herself, but she's also wrestling externally with what she believes other people think about her. And when she says these daughters of Jerusalem, what she's talking about are, is this class of women who is like this high social standing, light-skinned, sophisticated, upper-class, metropolitan women. They're women of the city. She's a woman of the field. Um, and it made me think very much about one of the times that I felt the smallest and most worthless in my entire life was one of my good friends from high school went to SMU in Dallas uh, for college, and he invited me to his fraternity's um, big like weekend function. And when I got there, it was like money was flowing uh, more freely than I had ever seen in my life. Everything that all these guys were wearing was like, a thousand times more expensive than anything I'd had. These guys were like twice my size. They were 
twice as handsome, twice as everything. All the women made me feel so small because it was like everybody was, it just was like another species of people. And I don't know if you've ever been in a place like that where you're just so hyper aware of all of your flaws. Like I wish everything about me was different right now. Um, and this is, this is kind of where she is right here in this passage. She says, you know, they have made me work out in the vineyards, but my own vineyard I have not kept. And so it's one thing to feel dark physically. Um, and when she says that, like she's talking about her womanhood. She's talking about just her beauty. Um, and, it, and it's one thing to be aware of and feel dark physically, but what about the darkness of our hearts, the darkness of our souls? Um, in our sin and our ignorance, um, we have not cared for our souls the way that we should or now wish that we would have. And so we're asking the question, not only am I lovely to other people, am I desirable to other people, but am I lovely to God? Is there any way that he could love me? When I read passages of scripture where it talks about God's love for his people, is there any way that I could be counted in those people? But here's, here's something that is so deeply encouraging. If you are in that place, if you're in the place where you are deeply aware of the darkness of your own heart, and, and it is making you wonder if God could love you as you are, the good news is that that is movement. That means that the shepherd king of glory is already working in your hearts because now you see it. Because before you didn't see it. And so as, as we are tempted to, to wonder whether we are lovable to God, the fact that we are even asking that question, the fact that we even want to be desirable to God is evidence of his movement in our hearts, his evidence of his movement toward us. And so as she is wrestling with this question, am I desirable, am I lovable, am I enough, do I have what it takes, where does she go? She goes to someone outside of herself. She goes to her lover. She goes to the one who loves her, and she says, you tell me, I need to spend time with you. You tell me, you whom my soul loves, where you are right now. Where are you pasturing your flock? Because I need to come be reminded of who I am to you. Because she is aware of something that we desperately need to know, that a healthy identity and a healthy self-image can never come from within ourselves. We, we don't have the capacity to give ourselves that gift. And so um, of all the talk that is out there now about loving ourselves, if that, if that love for ourselves is not rooted in someone else's love for us, then it is total garbage. It is so, so fleeting, so shallow. It actually does nothing except drive us deeper into darkness. And why? Why do, we, why do I need someone outside of myself to give me my identity? Well, there's, there's a lot of reasons, but um, one is that our darkness will overcome us. There's only so much self-talk I can give in the face of my sin and my shortcomings. And also because um, anything that I think that I'm generating to make myself lovable is fleeting. My appearance, fleeting. The brilliance of my mind, fleeting. The, the, uh, you know, the, the stars on my resume of my career, fleeting. There's, there's nothing that I can come up with in, in and of myself that is going to give me this deeply rooted identity. 
Uh, and we are also wired to look for someone else to tell us that we're beautiful. So when she gets anxious and insecure and overwhelmed by all the voices, including her own, that would discourage her and, and mock her and shame her, she goes to her beloved. And she says, I need to be with you and I need to remember. And so just want to stop here and, and give us a, a deep application uh, in our human relationships, in marriage. Um, that is the greatest gift that we can give each other is to speak truth of, of the other person's beauty to them. Like, I cannot tell you how that has changed my life, how it did change my life when I first experienced, how it continues to change my life when Lee speaks that over me and says, you are beautiful in these ways of who you are and who you're becoming. Um, it is so, it, it, is, it is encouraging, it's giving me courage. Um, and the same is true for, for all of us in the community of faith, married and single alike. That is this place, these relationships have to be deep because they have to be deep enough for us to speak that beauty into each other's lives. We need to speak that beauty into each other's lives because we are the voices of the Lord to one another reminding each other what is true. You are beautiful because Jesus is making you beautiful. I, the things that I see in you that are evidences and fruit of his working in your life, those things, we desperately need to hear that. It is not enough for us to just hear that from the pages of scripture. We have to hear that from the other people. We have to hear that from human voices who can embrace us, who can look us in the eye, who can speak these words over us and help us to live in the reality of God's love for us. But you know, even in the best marriages and the best Christian community, um, what's really happening is, is this encouragement is, is not rooted in the voices of those other people. It's rooted in the Jesus that speaks through them. And so as this woman, um, you know, this, we, we get now to a very important part of this poem is the first time that this man who she loves so much opens his mouth and speaks. It's the first time that we get a chance to see him and hear him uh, interact with her. She says, uh, in effect, um, call me to yourself, the, the last half of verse seven. Um, don't make me lurk around where um, I'll be you know, looking around for you and it, I'll appear as if I'm a prostitute trying to pick up some, some men. Like I need you to initiate and call me to yourself and, and draw me to you. Um, and, and now we get his response. He speaks to her for the first time and we can see why she loves him and why she's taken with him. His voice is gentle and playful. His voice is full of love and full of strength. If you do not know, O most beautiful among women. And then he tells her um, in a playful, flirting way, um, you know where to find me. I'm gonna be with my sheep. I'm gonna be with my people. And so we get this beautiful uh, picture, both on a, you know, a, a human level for relationships, is um, this whole idea of like a man taking initiative to, to say, um, I'm choosing you and, I, and I'm drawing you to myself. It's not this world of like um, fear of rejection. And so I'm going to sort of hang back and text and try to meet up late at night and, and make this woman... Um, you know, walk through these steps that sort of diminish her character. But it's this intentional moving of, no, 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 I'm, I'm moving first. 
and I'm calling you to myself, and I, I, want to, I want you to be with me in the presence of my people. I want my people to know you and see you because I'm proud of you, because I'm moving towards you. Um, and of course, that application is, is the same for uh, us as we follow Jesus, because what she's saying here is the same thing that we're all saying in our hearts is, it's not enough for me to just sit in this room and be around you, Jesus. Like, it's not enough for me to feed off of other people's relationships of intimacy with you. Like, I'm not gonna be satisfied with just hanging around with your people. I need you. I need you and I to have an intimate, deep relationship. And what he says back to her is what he says back to us. He says, yes, and that is going to be found in the presence of my people. You know, Jesus says, where two or more are gathered in my name, I am there with them. And so he's telling us that there is a, a, a essential element of our growing in intimacy with Jesus happens right here. It, it does not all happen off by ourselves. Some of it happens here. Some of it happens in the privacy of our own hearts in conversation with him. But there is a, an essential piece of us growing in intimacy with him in the presence of our brothers and sisters. And so um, he tells her, he goes into deep detail because he is enthralled with her, um, how beautiful she is and, and how exquisite and how desirable. And he's like, let me go into detail. And then he's like, girl, you like a horse. <laughs> like, wait, what? Like, just, uh, he kind of lost me there. Um, but what he's, what he's saying to her is, you're worried about being dark but let me tell you what I see in your darkness. And then he starts to talk about the most beautiful, the most precious, the most treasured creatures on earth, which were these, these black mares of Pharaoh. They are chosen and cared for and prized and shown off by a powerful king. They are beautiful in and of themselves, but then beauty is added to them when they become the pharaohs and they become chosen by him and he puts his jewels and gold and silver on them. They become even more beautiful than they already were. And so what he is saying to her is, you are already beautiful. And as you come toward me, as we grow in this relationship together, my love is going to make you more beautiful, if you can even believe it. And you will not have to sit spending mental energy trying to figure out how worthy you are and how to make yourself more desirable because you are not depending on your own resources for that. As you come to me, I will make you more beautiful in my infinite abundant resources. It says um, in, in Kings that in Solomon's day, gold and silver was almost like trash because it was so abundant. That is, that is how abundant the resources of our king are. And Jesus says, as you come to me, um, you don't have to try to make yourself more beautiful. You don't have to try to make yourself more lovely. Um, you just depend on me. You just come to me. You just delight yourself in my love, and I will do that. And, and God describes his caring for his people in Ezekiel 16 this way. I adorned you with ornaments, put bracelets on your wrists, chain on your neck, ring in your nose, earrings in your ears, a beautiful crown for your head. You were adorned with gold and silver. Your clothing was fine linen and silk and embroidered cloth. You grew exceedingly beautiful and advanced to royalty. Your renown went forth among the nations because of your beauty, for it was perfect through the splendor that I had bestowed on you, declares the Lord God. And so how does our shepherd King Jesus bestow his splendor upon us? 
How does God actually do this in the course of history? What he just talked about in Ezekiel 16, how does that really play out as he makes his people beautiful? Well, he comes to the field. He comes to that desert place, that wasteland where we are living our lives. He comes to the field where she was sent by her brothers who were angry with her, where the sun beat down on her. He comes to the field where we are to rescue us and give himself to us. He, it's, it's what um, he talks about in Matthew 13, 44, where he says this, the kingdom of heaven, God and man in union forever, is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up, and then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Y'all, that is the good news of God's love for us in Jesus. As he sees us, not as the world sees, it says God sees not as, the man, as man sees, God sees the heart. And God comes in his deep love for us, and he has, he has put his love upon us, and we are his treasured people. And so he has come into the field. He has come into that place of low class and suffering and pain. And he has put himself there to a way deeper extent than we will ever know. No matter how dark your life has gotten or will get, we will never know the extent of the depths of darkness he has gone to to keep us from that and to save us for himself and to bring us into his palace and to bring us into his care and his treasuring where his love changes us. He has gone and sold everything that he has to buy that field so that he can come and get us the treasure from that field and enjoy us forever. That is who our king is. That is the shepherd king uh, who has set his affection on us. And so now in that love from verses 12 through the end of our passage, we get this beautiful picture of what this relationship is like as it grows. Um, it says that she, you know, verse 12, what she says is like when the king was apart from me, um, it was like my aroma was, was giving forth fragrance and he was thinking about me. So it's like in the passage we read before this last week, um, that's what she was thinking about him. And what she's discovered now is, is you think about me the same way that I think about you. When I'm not here, you want to be with me. Um, you are thinking, above me, uh, thinking about me above all else. And it's this beautiful picture of like, you know, if you've experienced that, like when you think that someone else is truly incredible, and then you discover that they feel the same way about you, it just changes everything. And that is the discovery she's just had. And that is this discovery, Lord willing, that we will continue to discover as hard as it is to believe that the God of the universe loves us in that way. And his love is changing her. Um, this, this picture, uh, verse 13, um, my beloved, it's, it, back in those days, that was like perfume. They would just, myrrh was this very precious, very costly, uh, beautiful aroma giving, um, I don't know, herb, plant, something. Uh, and she would keep it on a necklace, basically. And so as she would heat up, like her body heat would release the smell of this fragrance. And so it was like this man's love for her, um, her shepherd king's love for her is this beautiful hidden thing close to her heart that um, in the heat of the field, in the heat of everyday uh, interactions, that aroma is coming forth. And that is uh, the same is true for us in Jesus. 
is that um, his love for us, when we experience it, it flows not just to us, but through us. It changes the way it, that we live. It enables us to love increasingly more the way that he loves us. And so she is being changed by this man's love. Um, and then this last picture here, um, this, what she's saying is in, in this vast desert, there is an oasis. And in this oasis are these henna flowers, which are very fragrant and very beautiful. And she's saying like in this vast desert of life, I have found an oasis in the love of my beloved. And then he speaks to her again and says, behold, like, pay attention. Listen to this. You need to hear this. You are beautiful. You are beautiful to me, my beloved. You are truly delightful. You know, let's, let's get rid of all the garbage that, that fills our minds um, that we've populated with our own thoughts about what God is like, that um, he loves us because he's God and he has to love us, but he doesn't like us very much because of who we are and how we behave. That's total garbage. What, what our Lord says to his people is what this shepherd king says to his beloved, which is, I love you and you delight me. I enjoy you. I enjoy being with you um, as much as you enjoy being with me and even more. And he tells her twice, behold, you got to listen to me. You've got to hear this. This is foundational. Behold, you are beautiful. And what does it mean when he says your eyes are doves? Um, Basically, it's, he's saying like you in your honesty and your simplicity and your humility, you as you are, not as you're trying to be, not as some uh, persona that you're trying to inhabit, but you, the real you in your heart of hearts, as you are who you are today, that is who I love. I don't love the you that you think you might be in five years that will be more lovable, I love you today. I love you as you are, and you just come to me and trust me. Just come, enjoy, delight yourself in my love, and I will change you. I will, I will make you beautiful. I will do all of the work if you will just come and enjoy being loved by me. And then she responds, okay, now you listen to me. You're beautiful. Like this love, this is the most delightful thing I've ever experienced in my life. And they're just back and forth like, no, 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 like you are the most beautiful. No, no, you are. And they're just enjoying this ever-growing love for one another. You're truly delightful. When she says, our couch is green, the beams of our house are cedar, rafters are pine, there's this passage in Scripture that talks about Solomon's palace, the palace of the forest that he built for himself. Um, and what she's saying is, the intimate place where you and I reside together, where we will reside together when we are married, um, that place is green, it's fertile, it's flourishing, like we have everything we need for this love to continue to produce beautiful fruit and be ever more flourishing as, as our days go on. And this house, this place, this foundation where we are building this life together, the palace is like Solomon's palace of the forest, it is so strong, it's not going anywhere. It is built out of the strongest stuff um, and it is not going anywhere. And then she says, uh, you know, as, as we are often prone to do um, when we experience God's love for us, she says, um, I'm a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys. Um, what she's saying there is not a, a brag. She's talking about a very common flower, and she's like, I don't understand 
why you love me the way that you love me because I'm just like everyone else. I'm not special. And then his, his words, um, he says, okay, if, if you are a common flower, then you're like a common flower that's all alone in a field of thorns because that is how, <laughs> how greatly I see your beauty um, in the midst of, of all people. My chosen people, I say, are beautiful, and I am always at work making them more beautiful. So this is our shepherd king, Jesus. Um, These are his words to us. He desires us. He loves us. His love is powerful. It changes us. It's a firm foundation. It's the most core identity, and it's the answer to all of our insecurities and accusations of the enemy. It's our, our identity is not going to be found in ourselves and who we think we can be and who we think we are in ourselves and what we think we can do for the world or for God or for the person sitting next to us. Our identity is rooted only in the love of God for us in Jesus Christ as is displayed on the cross. And so now we can sing with our shepherd, King David, in Psalm 18, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. For you save a humble people, but the proud you bring down. For it is the Lord my God who lightens my darkness. By my God, I can leap over a wall. You have given me the shield of your salvation and your right hand supported me and your gentleness made me great. You show steadfast love to your beloved forever. We are dark, but we are lovely in Christ. And when we see ourselves as he does, when we allow ourselves to be loved by him, then that awakens us and enables us to love him in return and to, and to finally be able to love the other people in our lives, in this world, uh, the way that he loves us for the first time. And so what I want to do now is we're going to have like a, a little guided prayer time um, because this is, this is so important for us to train ourselves to sit silently and let him speak over us because if we don't do that, um, it's like the plant's never getting water. We can prune ourselves, we can be in the sun, we can you know, get fertilizer, but if we don't have water, if we don't have the, the water of God's love flowing over us, then none of that matters. It is to know that we are beloved by him. That's what gives us the courage, that's what gives us the hope, that's what gives us the confidence uh, to move toward him. So let's pray. Uh, Father, first, in this silence, um, would you help us to confess our darkness to you? Would you help us to confess all of our insecurities, both on a material, physical level, but then also all the things at a heart level, at a soul level, that uh, we believe keep us from you?
Holy Spirit, would you um, come and apply truth to our hearts in those places? Lord, in the, in the places where we feel so insecure uh, about our physical appearance, would you remind us that you look at the heart and that what is real and true about us um, physically is, is not the deepest, truest thing about us. And that as the world sees and assigns beauty, that is not how you see and assign beauty. That is not an accurate representation. And that who we are and who we are becoming uh, and who we will be for eternity is not what we see now. And Father, in places of sin and shame, would you remind us that our Lord Jesus has come into the field and he has taken all of our sin and shame upon himself and it has been dealt with forever. And we stand clean and forgiven and free. And even when we bump into sin in ourselves still now, uh, remind us that you are not threatened by that. You are making us new. It is a process. You are making us new, and we do not have to be afraid of you. And in our weakness and ignorance, um, our frailties, Lord, would you speak truth to us and remind us that any, any frailties or weaknesses that we have, you have given us to display your glory through. And now, let us hear verse 15 from you to us. Behold, you are beautiful, my love. Behold, you are beautiful. Right now, just as we are. Would you break open the dry, hard ground of our hearts with the waterfall of your love and let that truth, those words, penetrate deep, deep, deep into the darkest recesses of our hearts. As we worship you now in song, Lord, would you help us to know and see and, and live in the present with the one that we are singing to is you, our beautiful shepherd king who loves us like this. In Jesus' name, amen.